Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Joe Biden getting set to talk about guns and crime and violence in Los Angeles. And of course, he's going to make the claim that the gun is the problem. And that's why we need to have more legislation about firearms in the United States. The guy does not stop. The guy does not rest. The guy does not quit. He doesn't. Neither does the political left. On and on and on, they are with these kinds of subjects. I mean, this was the reporting from News Nation just earlier today. Violence in the crosshairs with the signing of a new executive order. The president is in California where he will meet with the families of gun violence victims. And the issue is part of a major campaign promise to reduce violent gun crimes across the country. This is exactly the problem. The issue is not the gun. And anytime they say gun violence, this is about attacking lawful gun owners. No news organization should be utilizing the terminology gun violence because they never say knife violence. When somebody kills somebody with a car, they never say car violence. They never said of the murderer in Wisconsin who ran over people uh, in the parade. They never called him a car murderer. Or they never called it car violence. Daryl Brooks is his name. Remember the name of that murderer, Daryl Brooks. The guy who defended himself and thought he was all super smart. He murdered people. He ran over white people. He did it because he hated white people. I don't know why people will want to forget such a thing. I mean, this was a crime of racial violence. I think that should be discussed. But no one will ever discuss it as, as uh, car violence. Never. Never, ever, never once, never, ever. Don't call gun violence. Don't buy into their crazy. This executive order that Biden wants to sign, he's trying to get close to universal background checks. That's what he wants. He wants to increase the number of background checks before gun purchases. He won't deal with the problem, which is societal. Why do people feel the need to harm other people? Why do we have mass shootings? What is going on in society? What has been taken from society that needs to be reintroduced? What has been introduced into society that needs to be extricated? It's one of those two things. If we are honest about this, it is either something that has been introduced into society that is poisoning it, or something that is missing from society that desperately needs to be re-entered. Some people would argue that that's indeed religion. I would engage it a little bit differently and discuss the idea of purpose and of values and of standards and of borders, not necessarily southern border. I'm talking about one's own borders and boundaries, which again goes really back to this conversation of standards. When you embrace nothingness, when you in, embrace nihilism, well, don't be surprised when what you get is nihilism. Don't be shocked or surprised by it. But the idea of more uh, executive orders, the idea of more laws, that's not going to stop anything. This is not about laws. This is about humanity. And we have a president and far too many who are too scared to address what is missing from society that we must reintroduce and what is present in society that we must extricate. And it's not the gun. Because if it was the gun, Daryl Brooks wouldn't be the murderer in Wisconsin. Now would he? It wasn't the gun that did this. It was he who did this. How does he happen? Where, wherever that he or she may be. That's the conversation. Cowards won't have it. 
Thank goodness we're not cowards. The Colts put all their money in a kicker. We'll discuss it with JMV next. This is Tony Katz today. I really had no intention of discussing what's going on with the Colts. I was going to hit it later uh, this week, especially when you take a look at that Bears-Panthers trade. You're like, okay, where in the world does this leave the Colts in terms of quarterback? And did the Panthers make a trade that is smart or is criminally insane considering the level uh, that they've given up? We kind of discussed it yesterday. But then you hear the story that the Indianapolis football Colts have signed Matt Gay from the Los Angeles Rams. This is the kicker to a four-year, $22.5 million deal, the biggest ever deal for a kicker in free agency. And you're like, what? That That's not a quarterback. What in the world is going on here? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. We'll get to the whole Bears-Panthers trade and where that leaves the Colts for quarterback in just a moment. Chase McLaughlin was 30 of 36 on field goals, 950 yarders, and the Colts went with Matt Gay. What the hell is going on? Well, I'm assuming this right here. For his career, Tony, Matt Gay is 88% on field goals. He's 95% on extra points. And he's also got a leg from 50-plus, I believe, that's around 80% somewhere in that neighborhood. And I am assuming that is the reason why that Chris Ballard felt compelled to spend this much money on a kicker. I will say this. This is very Chris Ballard right here. This is very Chris Ballard. You know, we're all shaking our fists for skill position players, and he goes with a kicker. So if you look at those numbers alone, especially, Tony, I think the percentage from a longer distance, considering that the Colts play half their games indoors at Lucas Oil Stadium, I think wanting a guy like Matt Gay, wanting to bring him in, wanting to upgrade from Chase, I think that's reasonable. But that is a lot of money to be reasonable and more reasonable, I guess, from long distance. But that's what it comes down to, and it is uh, entirely very Chris Ballard to me. But the, the shouldn't the argument be, all right, to say something is very Chris Ballard, that doesn't make it good. That's an <laughs> argument for why they should have gotten rid of the guy. And this seems to be an argument for why Jim Irsay is not a serious football guy. But I'll let you respond to that. McLaughlin, hold on, hold on. McLaughlin was a surprise. McLaughlin was a jewel of the season. He came on late. We didn't know anything about him. And the next thing you know, he's actually kicking. He's doing his job. There is nobody at the end of the season who said, you know what the real problem was? Chase McLaughlin. No one. No one at all. So in the straight statistics, and you're right, that Matt Gay is an 87.8% kicker, and if you compare him to, for example, Justin Tucker, he's 90.5. So you're really in some rare air uh, right there. It's that much so that you decide to spend this much money that could have an impact on the money you spend on quarterback or other positions? Well, I mean, we'll see about that. And and to me, what it comes down to is it is, you know, just a higher level of accuracy. And I think I think also what's kind of lost in the shuffle, Tony, is, is what we talked about a little bit earlier. That was from distance. But what I, I suggest that it is very Chris Ballard, yeah. And I think what this goes to show, Tony, is how comfortable 
Chris Ballard is right now going into year number seven and we're year number one, let's just say of a reboot, because I have people tell me all the time, Hey, you know what? He's on the line this year. If things don't work out, he's going to be gone and they could not be any more wrong unless he drafts a quarterback that turns out to be like Zach Wilson and that big of a Jets disaster. He's not going anywhere. Not only is he not going anywhere after year seven, He's not going anywhere after year eight because here's what's going to happen because your new quarterback in your team is going to show signs, right? It's going to show signs of improvement after this year. Number one, that would be in year number two or year number eight, if you will. So that to me is going to give him year number nine. So he's going to be in a ninth year or the third year of this reboot until you really see some pressure put on for him to win. And I don't think he's got anything at all to worry about in the next couple of years. Nothing. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.51075, the fan. We should be clear, I have zero against Matt Gay. I welcome him with open arms. It's just, it seems like a fair amount of money for not that much of improvement, even though I will gladly argue the concept of improvement. But all of this is nothing more than prelude. It's window dressing, JMV, because the story in front of us is the quarterback story. Jim Ursay, goo goo gaga McCrazy Pants for, for, for Bryce Young. You goo goo gaga for <laughs> CJ Stroud. And the next thing you know, here come in the Panthers to give away literally the entire farm. First round pick in 2023, first round pick in 2024, uh, uh, or I should say, yeah, a first round in 2023, a tw- first round in 2024, a second round in 2025. They're giving away this, that. They made a deal for, for the wide receiver whose name eludes me right now. All of that to get the first pick in the draft for Frank Reich to pick a quarterback. And it seems that Jim Irsay doesn't care about Shane Steichen as much as the Panthers care about Frank Reich because they're telling him, take what's left, kid. Let me tell you, Tony, this goes to show you what. You know, we've, we've talked about Jim Irsay taking a step back. I think Jim Irsay is taking a step back. Jim Irsay has put the decision-making power completely into the hands of Chris Ballard. And this is something you and I have talked about this prior and even talking about this yesterday with you to a degree regarding what the Panthers did over the weekend, actually late Friday, to move up to number one. I I have been under the impression all along that Chris Ballard is going to stay at four. And Chris Ballard believes that the quarterback that they covet is going to be there at four, and that quarterback is from Kentucky, and his name is Will Levis. That has been my theory all along. Kind of educated, I would say. Sometimes a bit of a guess, but I think it's good enough. And I don't, I don't think Ballard had an ounce of interest in giving up anywhere near the package. And the wide receiver you're talking about, too, is DJ Moore, going from Carolina to the Bears. I don't think he had any interest whatsoever in giving away even half the haul that the Bears ended up getting from Carolina because he likes who he likes, and I believe they are sold on. We'll see Will Levis, or at the very least, even if it's not Levis, which is my belief, we'll see. I think they are sold on. They can get the quarterback that they want at number four. Thus, they will stay right where they are. So now let's take a look at something, because what you just said leads to two possible conclusions. So first, let's take a look 
at who's on the board and exactly what happened after the NFL Combine. Because at the Combine, you had some people really and truly climbing up the charts. And one of those people is Anthony Richardson out of Florida. He is a sophomore, 6'4", 232. So he's the same size as a Will Levis. And the people at CBS have the Colts picking him over Will Levis. They have Levis dropping to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, But did the combine change what was possible in the draft and the quarterback situation, the quarterback rankings? My brother, I don't think it did at all. I don't think at all. Not for the Colts. I think that they've had designs on Will Levis for a while now. And I don't think those designs have changed. Again, I talked to Chris Ballard at the combine after he got off the podium and he, he doesn't put a great deal of stock into those individual workouts. They watch the film. Now I would make the argument that a lot that I watched of Will Levis this past year was a struggle in the SEC. Now others will argue it's because he didn't have very much around him, which it would seemingly fit perfectly around here as quarterback, because that's what he's going to get at the NFL level after being, you know, at Kentucky playing quarterback. But I have thought for a long time that has been their hard target at number four. And until uh, anybody tells me otherwise, I'm going to continue to believe that. I just think Richardson is way more of a project than they want to deal with. I think it's going to be Stroud, who is the Vegas odds-on favorite to go number one to the Panthers as being the reason why they traded up. Bryce Young is going to go to the Texans at number two. I think Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, is going to go to the Cardinals at number three. That will leave Will Levis to be the quarterback and work with Shane Steichen and you're number one here. I believe that's how it's going to go down. And, and who knows? I mean, the Seahawks, maybe maybe there's another team in the mix here. I mean, the Lions are kind of an outlier, Tony, because they have Jared Goff, but nobody's ever really been completely sold on Jared Goff. Maybe they're an outlier here. I think it's going to be a team that may be more ready-made right now to take off and run, like Seattle with Geno Smith, who they just re-signed and slowly but surely work Anthony Richardson out of Florida in and have him take over further down the road. I think the Colts go with Levis, and I think Richardson goes at some point after Levis in the draft. So in your view, the Colts need Levis, so there is no conversation. You brought up the Lions. There's no conversation about the trading down to number six and allowing the the, the – um, Lions to possibly move up and see if they can grab, for yep. example, a Will Anderson or something like that. You don't think there's no. any possibility of the Colts trading down? I think the only way that I'll, – I'll start right here. I think the only way that they trade up will start here is if they feel that somebody can jump them and likes Levis, let's just say after a pro day, Tony, or something like that, and can jump in and go to number three to the Cardinals. I just don't think the Cardinals, given the fact that, that Will Anderson is going to fall in their lap at number three, I don't think the Cardinals are going to want to trade out of number three. So I, I, to me, their belief is they're going to get who they want at four. So I think that automatically decreases any percentage at all that they end up trading down. If people have brought up Hinton Hooker, who was injured, but incredibly effective this past year before his injury at Tennessee. I don't see that happening. A lot of people, Tony, have brought up trading down and you know, tra- taking a defensive edge rushing player and then trying to take Hendon Hooker in the early second round. I don't see that happening. I think they say exactly where they are at number four because they believe Will Levis, the guy that they have targeted, is going to be there. Let me go the other way with it. Talking to JMV, 93.5, The Fan, out of Indianapolis, the voice of sports in the state of Indiana. 
How about the Colts say, you know what? Our quarterback isn't in the draft. Our quarterback is in the market. It's cracking through the insanity that Lamar Jackson is asking for. It's playing for another uh, player who can still have quite a few years in front of him. It's recognizing that Matt Ryan had some kind of injury that he's now healed from, and we can go forward with him as a veteran quarterback again. I may be talking insanity, but they just brought on Matt Gay. So this is a team that totally works with insanity. What are the odds <laughs> that they'll save the draft for the other positions and they will look to the market to figure out where their quarterback is? Zero, Tony. They're going to draft a quarterback. Matt Ryan's not going to be on this team by Saturday. He won't be on this team as of Saturday. Um, we can watch for that. Um, and they are going to they're going to draft a quarterback. You know, it's funny. This is what happens when you have such an incredibly bad 4-12-1 type of crappy season is the kicker stands out as the value jewel, um, and they upgraded on a kicker. It's just funny with the Colts winning four games this year, that's where you first dive into free agency involving somebody that wasn't presently re-signed and on your own team like Taekwon was a couple of days prior. But they are going to stick to their plan, which, again, is what I believe is going to be Will Levis at number four. And there's going to be no Matt Ryan any longer, I don't think, as of Saturday. And this team is going to take a while to get itself back in gear. And I think that's some of the reason why you're going to hear Jim Irsay be more quiet and not so, you know, embossed about coming out and, and, and she, you know, oh, we're going to do this or we're going to do this and Lombardi's are coming. I think you're going to see him be a little bit more quiet and he's letting Chris Ballard handle this no matter what we think, no matter the results, Tony, in the first six years. I think Chris Ballard is going to have this for at least another three years and we'll see where it ends up going. And by the way, two people have asked me over and over, Tony, will his philosophies change? Will they be at all different? The blueprint, what he believes to be a successful football team, to grow and to win, and I don't think it's going to change much, if at all. So you might as well hunker down and get prepared because the Chris Ballard we've seen is going to be the Chris Ballard for the future, and we'll see where he ends up taking us. But he is getting a thorough reboot without question here. There's no way that the Colts say, hold on, Jets, we'll take Aaron Rodgers one more reclamation project. Let's go to work. No, 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 no. And Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson would have been even more crazy than trading up to get the number one overall selection. Um, and and first, first of all, what, what what they're doing with Lamar Jackson is you know, Baltimore and Eric DaCosta, who's nuts, by the way, uh, yelled at me once in the press box in the Colts game. Yeah, the, their general manager. I've nuts. been thrown out of the Colts press box. You got nothing well, on me, kid. You, I'm telling you what, you don't want Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta yelling at you when they call. That's why I had to go get new hair, Tony, because they said, no, nah, it was a bald guy down there that we don't like. Anyway, um, I'm not a big fan of Eric DaCosta, but he's letting all these other teams right now kind of set the market for his quarterback. What they're going to happen is they're going to end up bringing him back to Baltimore. This is a lot of pomp and circumstance right now. He's going to be back in Baltimore. He's going to get paid probably not nearly as to what he thought, but there is no way in the world Chris Ballard is going to have interest in a guy, no matter how good he has been, that hasn't finished an NFL season at quarterback in the fast, past two years. And you're talking about tread worn off a tire with all the – the hits he takes and how they're moving forward, I cannot see that. To me, that is even more crazy than even thinking that Chris Ballard would give up the price tag like Carolina did to move up to get that number one overall for Bears. It makes zero sense, and it's just not going to happen. 
JMV of 93.5, 107.5, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana, out of Indianapolis. Always appreciate you. There's so much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So it's very clear once you start speaking to experts about what's going on with this thing called the Willow Project that it's much more about what the White House can say versus what the White House has done when it comes to energy security in the United States. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Because while it looks top line like the White House really, really pushed hard and is going to get some energy security, even though the progressives are super angry, um, that's not actually the case when you take a look at the totality of what the White House has done and this administration has done to curtail energy exploration and energy security uh, in, in the U.S. Is anything better than nothing? Yes, I'm a, I'm a believer in that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. However, it's imperative that we be fully aware that what we're being sold politically, media-wise, is window dressing compared to the much larger issue. James Taylor joins me right now. He is the president of the Heartland Institute, Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, heartland.org. They talk about these issues, these green issues, not from an ideological perspective, but rather from looking at the policy and what does it mean for you, me, and we, what does it mean for Americans? And as you take a look at this, James, what does this Willow Project story out of Alaska mean? All right. Well, first, Tony, it is a pleasure to be on your show again, my friend. Uh, what is the Willow Project? Well, this is something where the media is selling us a bill of goods. They want us to believe that Joe Biden is standing up to the progressive left. And people are asking, why is he doing this now? Why, is he, why didn't he do this the first two years of his term? Well, the reason why the PR is out on this, saying that he's standing up to the left, is because we're starting to get towards the 2024 election season, and he wants people to forget what an absolute, complete leftist he's been. But even that narrative about him standing up to the left is false. It's not what the facts are. The Willow Project is a small area within the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. The National Petroleum Reserve was set up specifically to produce petroleum. Why was it set up that way? Because there are such prodigious amounts of oil in the reserve. Because it's in the Arctic tundra, the flat, barren Arctic tundra, with little impact on anything else. It comprises less than 10% of the state of Alaska. And the Willow Project is just a few percent of that 10%. Now, what's going on here? Basically, it's this. Joe Biden has said he was approving three out of the five proposed sites within the Willow Project in which ConocoPhillips wants to drill for oil. And at the same time, now you don't hear that in the media. They say he approved this massive oil producing project. No, he killed 40% of the proposal. And at the same time, he killed wholesale another proposal adjacent to Willow. This is the equivalent of if you go out, let's say you go out to dinner with your family. You come home and you find some juvenile delinquent throwing rocks through your window. He smashed four of your 10 windows, and then you come home and catch him. And then he says, well, look, I'm not such a bad guy. I left six of your windows untouched. Yeah, because he got caught. And then on his way out of the neighborhood, he goes and smashes all of your neighbor's windows. 
And he says, well, look, I'm still a pretty good guy. I left six of your windows untouched. That's what's going on here. Joe Biden is shutting down a massive amount of proposed oil production, which would have a real difference on gasoline prices in this country, which would have a real difference on America's ability to supply our friends and allies in need in Europe, in Eastern Europe, throughout Central America with oil. And instead, he does a little bit. He carves out a little bit of production that can still remain while getting rid of most of it. And then the media goes out and says he's a hero. And AOC and her buddies, they're piling on with a window dressing so that, again, they're helping out Joe Biden. Oh, he's standing up to us. Oh, this terrible Joe Biden. Let's take a step back. What he has done has been no friend, no ally of oil production or American energy production. Let me take a step back now because your argument is actually that he is doing more to harm energy security in the United States than help energy security in the United in the United States. And even though this might be helpful, I think they see 600 million barrels over the course of, of its lifetime, I think the number is. In the main, we're still no better off. We're still well behind the eight ball because of Biden administration policies. Absolutely. He is doing much more to kill oil production in this action of his than he is to assist it. If Joe Biden would simply allow in the National Petroleum Reserve, which Congress set up specifically for the production of oil, if he would simply allow the projects that have been proposed, we would see substantially more oil production, multitudes more oil production than what is going to be allowed. We would see probably five to 10 cents reduction in the price of gasoline and America's dependence on Russia, on Saudi Arabia, on Venezuela, on Iran, for oil would would be reduced significantly. Talking to James Taylor, he is the president of the Heartland Institute, Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, heartland.org. Uh, and this move, this, this thing called the, the, the Willow Project, this isn't specific to one project. That's what the area, the region where this drilling is allowed is called, Correct. Correct. Okay, it's important because you're right. When I first read this, I'm like, how fascinating. There was an interesting article over at National Review from Jim Garrity about why is this White House not as progressive as it was? And it was a conversation of is Jeff Zients uh, or Zients, the, the new chief of staff, just that much different than the former chief of staff, staff Ron Klain? Your argument is this is a window dressing story. If that's the case, why is the political left in such an outrage? about it yeah and it's purely politics you know this is the same argument if under joe biden when he takes office and inflation's under two percent in his first year inflation goes up eight percent because of his policies in the second year inflation goes up six percent and he says oh inflation's down it's down from eight percent to six percent this is the same type of rationale that they're putting forward and this is basically the mainstream media is going to run with whatever messaging the White House tells them to run with. And the messaging here is because he knows there's an election next year. Hey, look, I'm actually a moderate. I'm the common sense moderate in the room. I'm triangulating Bill Clinton's old term and strategy. In reality, it's not like that at all. And people need to look into the facts to see what is exactly going on. He's shutting down much more oil production in the National Petroleum Reserve that's set up for oil production. He's shutting down much more than he's allowing. One other point that's also worth noting, back in the day when the environmental activists and their political allies would oppose and shut down 
other production products, oil production, or in Alaska, there was the pebble mine a decade ago that would have been, would have made a substantial difference on our copper uh, deposits, on other sorts, on other uh, minerals that we need in this country, but was shut down. They at least went through the motions of inventing some far-fetched environmental re- uh, reason that had something to do with the actual environment. It really had little basis in reality, but they would say regarding the pebble mine that was proposed in Alaska, well, there is a stream that flows through the mining site, and that stream 200-some-odd miles later empties just a tiny fraction of the water into Bristol Bay, and salmon fishing is important there, so we can't do this to save the salmon. It was a nonsensical argument, but at least it was an argument that had something to do with the environment as nonsensical as it was. Now they're not even trying this argument for the National Petroleum Reserve. The only thing they say is climate change, climate change, as if if we don't produce this oil, then people just won't buy oil or use oil anymore, as if Russia, Iran, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia aren't going to produce the oil that people will buy anyway. This is economic self-mutilation, and the only justification they give is this amorphous concept of climate change. They don't even bother to try to make any stupid arguments about salmon or anything else because they don't even need to anymore. You the media have, is in the bag for, for the climate crazies. You have over at heartland.org a, a piece under environment and energy by Ronald Stein, Ronald Stein, and it reads, American suppression of fossil fuels courts a national security disaster. That's where you started to head down the road because when you take a look at what Germany was doing, giving up nuclear to depend on Russia. You take a look at Europe as a whole and their dependence on Russia, which had to come to an end because of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. You realize exactly on what level of precipice these nations do indeed exist. The United States is not Russia. The United States has opportunities. How are we not learning from this as a nation and saying what more can we do in a rational way? to to make sure that we are energy secure. Absolutely. And when you look at Russia, for example, with their military machine, how did they get the money to buy all those tanks? How did they get the money for their military machine? It's largely because they have been sell- selling oil to Western Europe and the rest of the world because we in the United States, due to our government's policies, not due to the lack of oil, we have more oil than Russia, we have more oil than Saudi Arabia, but we've made a political decision to not produce it. That's what enables nations like Russia to become strong, to flex, to have military muscle to flex, and then for the rest of the world to fear crossing Russia and siding with Russia against the United States when we have diverging interests because they don't want their oil cut off. At the same time, the Biden administration, as they talk about climate change, as if this would have any impact on climate change, their solution is to have the entire American economy, as well as the global economy, dependent upon China and its rare earth minerals and its production of wind and solar power equipment. This is absolute ridiculous policy. And again, this, is, this has nothing to do with the environment, nothing whatsoever. Talking to James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, heartland.org. Um, the, the issues in Europe would have been further exacerbated by a cold winter. That cold winter did not come because there is nobody who is not within the space who did not discuss the fact that if the winter is as cold as it has been, things are going to get very ugly for Europeans, whether it be Germany or other places, in being able to stay warm. 
How has this changed how they view their own power when and when you take a look at the fact that they're not going to be taking that uh, energy from Russia anymore? And they also decided specifically in Germany to give up on nuclear power. Uh, And the follow up is, uh, shouldn't we have nuclear power here in the U.S.? Well, that certainly should be one of the options on the table that are that makes much more sense than wind and solar power. Look, we have enough oil, coal, natural gas to power our economy, more than enough to power our economy and to export to the rest of the world. Oil, coal, natural gas, those are the least expensive and most abundant forms of energy. That's what, if government just got out of the economy's business, that's what our economy would largely be running on. Nuclear power is a little more expensive than those, not nearly as expensive as wind and solar power. It is zero carbon dioxide emissions. It's zero emissions of any sort. And at the same time, it is available on demand. It is much more reliable. This is something that we don't have to rely upon Chinese parts and the minerals and the rare earth elements from other nations, mostly being processed in China for. Nuclear power, people talk about, oh, but it's horrible, nuclear power for the environment and the risk of a, of a catastrophe. If you recall in Fukushima, Japan, when you had the nuclear power plant there that was subject to, first of all, a 9.1 earthquake, something nobody here in the United States has experienced any time in our lifetime. And that earthquake had occurred just offshore from Fukushima. At the same time, it created a tsunami that just laid waste to the entire area. How many people died as a result of that nuclear power plant being subjected to and smashed by those two events? The answer is zero. How many people had to go to the hospital with serious radiation issues? The answer is zero. So yes, nuclear power is a much better option than wind and solar. It's safer, it's more abundant, it's more reliable, it's available on demand, and it's much less expensive, and it's American-made. When we come back to the conversation about America before I let you go and this conversation about the Willow Project, we're still glad this is going on. We're still glad that we're going to be able to maybe get a little bit further uh, in into the area of energy security in the United States. I, just, I refer to it as energy security as opposed to energy independence or as former President Trump referred to it as energy uh, dominance. Um, but... Is, is, is there anything in this, you know, as you talk about it politically, is there anything in this that can be utilized in a, well, if you're going to do this, Mr. President, here's something that would be even better for us. Is there any opening that you see, or is this, as you described it, nothing more than a shell game, and we are still so far behind the eight ball, it, you can't even begin to catch up? This is a star- This is a man with a loaf of bread. There's a starving man begging for some food. He munches on half the loaf. He throws you a crumb, throws the rest in the trash, and wants you to say, oh, thank you for giving us a crumb. That's what's going on here. We should be allowed to produce oil in the National Petroleum Reserve that's set up specifically for this purpose without President Biden knocking 40% off the production of the Willow Project and then negating an entire uh, additional project right next door, taking it entirely off the books. This is doing nothing for the American economy. It's doing nothing for our energy sector. James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I've got more to get to, guys. I'm Tony Katz. More and more people getting more and more brave, or maybe better said, more and more completely and totally exhausted by the insanity. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Tilda Swinton 
at South by Southwest, an actress you've seen, Tilda Swinton, before, discussing the fact that she's about to start shooting a movie in Ireland. And I was told, she says, full disclosure, and I'm sure this is being recorded, people in Ireland might hear it, to wear a mask at all times. She continued, and I'm not wearing a mask because I'm super healthy, and I've had COVID so many times, and I'm so full of antibodies, and I have faith. But it's very nice to see your faces unmasked. That's what she says to the audience in Texas. Tilda Swinton is 62? Really? I would not have, I would not have guessed such a thing. Everybody gets that this mask mandate insanity is exactly that. If you want to wear a mask, you feel free. What do I think? Who cares what I think uh, about it? It doesn't matter what I think about it. What matters is you want to do it, and I don't think I get to stop you. You also don't get to force me. And if you think that a mask actually stops COVID, I'm sorry, at this stage of the game, you're super weird. And I'm not saying you can't be super weird. Just don't force me to, you know, do anything about your super weirdness. I don't want to be super weird, too. And if you want to go about wearing a mask, uh, do it. Knock yourself out. But if that is your superstition, that the mask is going to stop COVID, fine. Just don't force me to do it. Don't force Tilda Swinton to do it. And more and more people are starting to understand how rational this is. It is irrational to wear a mask to stop COVID. But I would never stop somebody or force them to take it off because they wanted to. That, to me, is odd. That said, a store can say we don't allow masks in here so we can keep an eye on your face, like they say in New York, because you might be a robber. That's a whole different conversation. But more and more people speaking out, I I, I like when people are speaking freely. It makes me happy. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com, TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.